What an epic way to start things here. Today we're talking the Apple Watch, pre-orders, the gorgeous new MacBook, revamped emojis, and so much more. It's the pilot edition of Magnificent. I'm your host, Ian Fuchs. I'm joined by our two lead panelists, MacTrash Senior Editor Chris Hauk, and the Glenja, otherwise known as J. Glenn Kunzler. How's it going, guys? Welcome to the show. It's good to be on. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, so yeah, this is the first time we're doing this. This is crazy. It's been a, a long brave time. new frontier of podcasting. Uh, yeah, well, we, we, blame, we blame Ian for anything that happens. Anything that happens is Ian's fault. He is his idea. My he's idea. running it. It's sure. all on him. Now, if it turns out well, well, I'll take credit. But of course, mostly me because I always take well, credit. Well, yeah. So I suppose maybe we should uh, tell our, tell everybody about ourselves. Maybe just a little bit about what we what we do. What our what our expertise is, because why trust us if we're just nobodies? So, uh, Chris, I'll let you start, since, since you have the most impressive title, I believe. Oh, well, gee, thanks. Uh, <laughs> well, I've been with MacTrass.com for about three years now, going on pretty close to four. Uh, we cover, of course, Apple News. That's everything iOS and Mac, and anything else I have a whim to do. Um, been uh, using Macs for about seven or eight years. Used to work for the Apple Store for about six months till my feet gave out. And I also write for Apple.Answers.com. I am there. Let's put up our quotation marks. Apple expert. Don't know whatever gave them that idea, but I write for them three or four articles a month just to keep my hand in there. And other than that, I just try to keep my wife happy. That's about it. How about uh, how about Glenn's turn now? I am the reformed one-time managing editor of MacTrust.com, and have since moved into the magnificent world of retail management, where I serve as an assistant manager at a Simply Mac store here in Utah. I'm an Apple-certified sales consultant as of 2014, April. Cool. Um, And I'm Ian Fuchs. I'm just a huge Apple fan, and I also happen to be the self proclaimed review editor for MacTrass.com as well. And we get to make up our own titles, so it's okay. <laughs> and uh, so that's my expertise, we'll say. But like I said, we have a lot to talk about today and a lot of big things going on in the world of Apple. And I think the, the biggest thing to talk about right now is the Apple Watch. Um, did you guys uh, did you get a chance to order? What did you think of that whole process? Well, it's certainly gone a lot better than Apple launches in the past. Um, At least they were, for the most part, on time with getting their various stores online. Uh, The web store was a record five minutes late to open as compared to the standard 30 to 45 minutes late. And the Apple Store app came right up. So I think um, logistically, they had it planned out very, very well. And what did you order? I went with the big one, the uh, 42-millimeter uh, space gray with a black band. Always like large screens. Excellent. Nice, nice. Chris, did you, uh, did you join I us? Did not, I have not ordered yet. I'm um, going to wait a little while, see how everything shakes out, see how you two guys like it. I'll be quizzing you plenty on that subject. I did hear good things about the ordering process and how it uh, worked out pretty well for everybody. There were a few complaints here and there, but haven't heard any big problems like there usually are. 
But uh, I'm looking forward to getting over to the Apple Store. I've got a little bit of a trip to get to a nearby Apple Store. It's about 25, 30 miles. So need to set up an afternoon and go over and do it. And uh, tried to get an appointment for this weekend, couldn't get one. So I'll get over and check it out and put it on my arm, and that's when I'll fall in love, and I'm sure I'll go ahead and order one. But until then, I just get to read everybody else's experiences and follow it that way. How about you, Ian? We we got to see uh, part of your experience on MacTrest. You were kind enough to share that with us. That was great. Yep. I uh, I was up at Apple's midnight time, so 2 a.m. for me, and I went with the 42 millimeter as well, and I did the uh, sport with the white band, the silver and the white. Good color combo. Even though I really actually wanted the silver with a black band, but they didn't have that option. They only had the space that Glenn got. So I'll be buying a, a band as well when that comes along. I was going to get the green band with mine. That's got to be a separate order too. A little bit disappointing there, but yeah. And I think the biggest shock to me when we went through it is, and I don't, uh, somebody pointed out to me online after I had said something about it on Twitter that I, I thought for sure they had said that when you ordered it, you could order it for in-store pickup on the 24th. And then as we found out, the store opened and that wasn't an option. No in-store pickup available at all. And so I I opted for shipping and I, I'm hoping that it makes it here by the 24th. What do you guys think happened there? Because I, when I go into the Apple Store app, I notice that in-store pickup is still not an option on on most orders, and it really doesn't even matter what product. And, and didn't they make make a big deal, or at least at the launcher, in recent weeks about they wanted you to come in the store so they could show you how to set it up, how to use it? They did, I and thought, I think I think that was what, what the appointment is, which is that's the whole separate process that I went through on right. uh, the other day, and when I went in and they actually walked me through how the whole thing works, but I think they were... What they really wanted is order online and come in store and experience the watch before then. Okay. But to me, it seems weird that they wouldn't want you to come in and be able to get a watch. So on the 24th, it's just like any other day right now in the Apple store. There's no new product in store, even though there's a new product available, which means no lines, no hype. I mean, not that there isn't going to be hype, but less hype. Yeah, the lines have always been the experience, been part of it. I mean, that's that's been something that everybody's always, you know, felt like they were taking a part of by going out and hanging out in line and waiting overnight. I know uh, Glenn did that with the the last with the iPhone six, didn't you? Oh yeah, I was um, not not the best experience. I feel like that that experience gets degraded a little bit every year that I do it. It's um, they, they they didn't handle it well. The store opened twenty five minutes late. the The staff didn't really have it together. They had system outages for half of the morning. So maybe the new way of doing things, uh, which I, I assume this is going to be kind of their mode of operation going forward, maybe it's for the best. Maybe these launches are just becoming too much to handle with the number of stores that they have. Number of stores, number of people that are showing up. The amount of coffee they're giving away to the people standing in line because I've heard that's a thing. I have, oh, yeah. I've, I've never experienced one of these wait in line launches. I, I had planned to do it for the six and then was traveling and ended up 
picking up the six. I waited in a line of eight people at a Verizon store and picked one up mid-travel. And so I have not yet got to do one of these wait in lines, and I was actually hoping to do that for the watch. Yeah, I've experienced the whole line thing from the other side of the window when I worked at the store. And we did, you know, we'd go out and chat them up. We'd go out and bring coffee to them. We had a cart and we'd bring coffee. And uh, it was it was fun. We enjoyed it. It was, it was something we look forward to as well. And I, I think it's kind of a mistake to be taking that away. Although, like Glenn says, some, some, in some ways it's it's kind of gotten to be a cliche. Yeah, I've got kind of mixed feelings about it. I, I think there's a lot to be said about the camaraderie and the sense of community when you're waiting in an Apple line. A- Apple lines in particular are much, much friendlier than your average line. You, you meet people, you strike up fascinating conversations. Half the things you hear are false, but you find them interesting anyway. And to think you're really just waiting in a line to buy something. <laughs> right, it's really no different than waiting in line to for a movie or, <laughs> excuse me, or anything like that, except, well, you know, a few except hours Except it's a 12-hour line. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you've obviously never waited at the movie theater I go to. Okay. Uh, Glenn, you didn't actually go to the Apple Store and, and try on one or anything yet, have you? I, I haven't been able to yet. I, I do have an appointment tomorrow, so um, oh, cool. uh, if all goes well on this pilot run, maybe next week I'll have a few things to say about that as well. Awesome. Yeah, I, I got to do my in-store experience, which was... Uh, much much more positive than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be kind of like visiting the Genius Bar, which my experience has always been, yes, they're very helpful and they're very polite and they're very very much attentive, but at the same time, it's kind of a come in, do your thing, we want to get this through and get on to the next person. And I expected that for the watch. And I expected it to be a lot more crowded. And when I walked in, there was really there weren't that many people. There were three Apple employees standing at the watch table, literally just waiting for people with appointments to come in. And I walked up, introduced myself, and away I went and walked through the whole experience. Which, the one thing that was missing in the experience for me was the uh, the watches they let me try on, and I don't know if this was typical of other places, the watches that I tried on weren't actually powered on or functioning. They were just a, a powered-off watch band on a on the actual device. There was no like pick it up and actually see how the race to check the time and stuff like that worked. Well, that's curious. Right, yeah, I, I wonder why I, they didn't heard, do that. It seems to be the experience everywhere. I've heard quite a few people say, you know, that they had powered up versions you could play with on the little stands. Correct. But as far as the ones you put on, they would not turn on or wouldn't let you turn them on. And I, and I even tried to power it on. I, I hit the button a couple of times, tried the, both the crown and the, I guess what they're calling the side button and neither seemed to give me any type of any type of anything. It was just a basically just a dummy model. I mean, I, it felt authentic, which I guess is the more important thing. Uh, but yeah, I was really surprised that the, the watch itself wasn't a functioning model. And I was also surprised that the, I guess not that the lady who helped me was not, well-versed in how it worked, but I, I would have expected maybe a little more hands-on time from the employees before they actually mm-hmm. went through the walkthrough because she wasn't 100% sure on how like how the process of changing a watch face worked. 
we walked through it and I think there's a video in the post where I'm kind of going through it and she's like, oh, do this, do this, do this. And it turned out that what she was saying wasn't quite what actually had to be done. Um, but I yeah, suppose that sure. was that was I'm the not, first day. So Yeah, I'm not sure they actually had a lot of hands-on time. I did talk to an Apple Store employee last week, sent messages back and forth, and, and basically it sounded like most of the training had just been via the Apple employee website, the intranet. It was vid- videos and, and tests, not much hands-on. One thing what I was get? really excited about, though, that she was very certain to tell me was how force touch worked, which if you haven't experienced force touch, even on like one of the new MacBooks, uh, it's crazy how you actually push harder on the display and it acts differently or does something differently, which I wasn't ready for. Yeah, Seems I'm kind like of excited an about seeing that. Sorry, I cut you off, Glenn. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, you're right. Go ahead. Oh, I, I just, I was just saying, I, I'm kind of excited about trying to see how that works too. I'm really interested in seeing what the response is on that. I think it's a pretty interesting concept. It's, it's something that I, I've expected for a long time. Um, the especially for artistic type uses, I can see. All kinds of utility to being able to sense pressure. I just wonder how long it's going to take for them to bring that to a desktop through maybe an updated version of the Magic Trackpad. Um, It seems like a natural move, considering that the iMac, of all devices, is one of the most popular devices for artists now anyway. I I can see that. Or even the... What's the new, the newest version of the mouse, the magic mouse? Is that what they're calling mm-hmm. it? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with that, even having a force touch within the top of that, it would allow you to, you know, press harder, lighter as you move the mouse around. I, I think the real concept here for me is enabling a whole new level of gestures. The, the magic trackpad and the trackpads that are built into all of the notebooks already have a pretty impressive array of gestures. The addition of pressure sensitivity instantly triples or even quadruples the number of possible gestures that you can use. Um, so many more actions you could call up with various combinations of of pressure and the standard gestures that you already have set up. It's going to be interesting to see what they can do with it. Mm-hmm. And I love using the trackpad. I, got, I, I was always a mouser before I got a magic trackpad, and uh, I can't stand to use a mouse now. The trackpad's it. So it would be great if they could put Force Touch on to a magic trackpad, you know, as an accessory. That'd be great. As, as soon as they drop the actual button from the trackpads on their notebooks with the, I don't know, the MacBook Pro several years ago, I guess, um, and it went to just the solid panel that, that was actually the button itself. I've been a trackpad person, so yeah, to see that grow and expand is certainly something that I look forward to as well. I'm still firmly in the two-pointing device camp. I, I love the trackpad. I use it for probably 90% of the things that I do. But when I need real precision, maybe when I'm editing in Photoshop or... Uh, attempting more precise operations. So there's just something about the level of control that a mouse can offer you. Sure. So you use both? 
I do. What do you guys think about uh, the uh, the gold model, the edition, only being available? What do we have, 12 states I think it's available in, in stores? Doesn't surprise me in the slightest. I, I can tell you some malls in, or a mall in Iowa that has an Apple store that, no offense to people from Iowa, but growing up there, I'm doubting they're going to sell the gold model. Because <laughs> the last thing somebody that spends nine hours as a farmer or whatever it is probably wants is a watch they're going to spend ten grand on and potentially damage. And I think, I think it's very much geared towards a celebrity audience, not a normal, average the, person. The states they they do have it available in are definitely, you know, geared to celebrities, high rollers. Looks like it's available in Nevada, so Las Vegas, yeah. You got somebody hits big. They may walk over to the Apple store there at the uh Caesars Palace and drop ten grand on a watch, who knows? It's definitely a status symbol. Mm-hmm. Um it, it seems like one of those things that um it's difficult to say exactly why Apple makes the decisions that they do, but I can't help but think that it's that it's some kind of a margin play. Um if you look at the out-of-warranty service fees that Apple recently announced for the Apple Watches, we're looking at a replacement cost of $229 for the Sport, $329 for the Stainless, and $2,800 for the Edition. That gives us a pretty good indication of what they consider their actual cost to be on those products. So right. they're making almost probably over $7,000 on each of these Edition watches. And that doesn't even count the bands, which... We have to know that they're making pretty incredible margins on. Maybe this is how they've drove, driven the price of the Apple Watch down enough to make that sport model a little bit more accessible at 350 Make up for it in other people's purchases. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, you've got that nicer margin on the high end. You can afford to give a little bit on the low end. Well, that's very nice of them if that is in fact the case. Isn't it, though? <laughs> not not nice to the people that are buying the edition. <laughs> oh, I, I think if you have the money ah. to buy the edition, um, either you haven't learned self-control and spending, or there's uh, too much money to be had and not enough ways to spend it. I think there's a lot to be said for that. Or maybe you just end up in the position that a lot of the world's wealthy end up being in. They they stop thinking about prices and they just buy the things that they want. They buy the things that are most appealing to them and they don't even think about it. That is true. Yeah. Did you guys uh, have a chance to look at any of the the reviews that got posted right as the watch um, embargo was lifted from any of the rest of the world? I was a little surprised at the people that didn't review the device. Um, I was expecting a little bit of something from the loop. They usually do something nice on, on the new Apple products. I didn't see anything from them in the way of a review on the Apple watch. Um, you've got your usual suspects such as John Gruber. He had mostly good things to say as he typically does. Yeah. I think the general consensus seemed to be, it was a great watch, best smart watch ever, but it's not a must-have, I think, is how they looked at it, which that could be said about any smartwatch or any accessory. 
Oh yeah. Uh, it, well, some of the reviews were a little bit confusing. Um, did any of you read the review that was posted at The Verge, for instance, on the Apple Watch? Uh, I believe I did, yeah. Yeah. Jo- Josh Topolsky did, did a great job on the review, but what's interesting is he gave the watch in the end a 7 out of 10. He called it the best watch experience that he's had so far, but if you look back at the review of the Motorola 360, that got a much, much higher score even though he doesn't consider it on the same level as the Apple Watch. I guess it was Nile Patel, not Josh Topolsky, but uh, kind of interesting the, the way that the reviews are coming out. I'm wondering if there's a certain expectation level that's set, and they say, well, this is what it would need to be to be that 9 or 10 out of 10, and then when it doesn't meet up to that, they're saying, well it doesn't do what I thought it should have done as Mm -hmm. well as I thought it should have done it. So I'm going to give it a bad review, not looking at it as, wow, this does so much stuff so much better than say the competition and basing it off of that instead of rating it against itself, basically, or what they think it's what it itself is. Right. It's it's like they almost deducted two points off the score just because it was an Apple product. Hmm. Just because, well, um, or perhaps because it, it was to later great. to the game, a little bit less pioneering than other offerings, or something. This is true. This is true. That's true. At the same time, I don't know. I think there's, I think there's a lot of things in it that they're doing that other smartwatches aren't. You know, Chris is a Pebble wearer, and I'm a Pebble wearer right now. I mean, there's so much stuff that the Apple Watch does that isn't even in the same realm. And I know that the same holds true on. Um, like looking at the Fitbit devices for the fitness side of things that, yes, they have heart rate tracker and they have this and that, but there's so much other stuff they don't do. Um, I haven't experienced any of the Android ones, but I'm imagining they're kind of in that same ballpark. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I've I've probably used almost every smartwatch that's compatible with iOS that, that exists on the market. Everything from the Meta Watch to the to the Cuckoo to the Pebble and even the Pebble Steel, the Apple Watch is in a category of its own. Um, it, it doesn't even attempt to look and feel and act like most of the other offerings that are out there, which, by and large, are really not smart watches at all. They're more like displays that extend your phone. They give you notifications and a little bit of basic information, but. No real way to interact with any of that, which I think is the real strength of Apple's watch. It's interactive yeah. at its core. It Pebble, encourages Pebble that interaction that fosters it. Pebble has added some interactivity with, with apps on the wall, but it's still all mostly the the use of useful functions of it are just extensions, just to keep you from taking your phone out of the pocket. You know, checking your check the weather, check the temperature, check your notifications. That's what I use it mostly for. I find myself not really using any of the apps they've written for it. It's kind of interesting how people's ideas change about this over time. If you would have asked me five months ago what I thought about smartwatches, at the time I wore a meta watch frame almost almost every day, I, I considered its lack of interactivity a strength. It had information there when I needed it. It displayed notifications when I wanted to. But 
it wasn't always there. It didn't require my interaction. It didn't require my attention. But now that I've seen what that kind of interactivity can really offer on the wrist, my my ideas about about what that might be like and how useful that might be in in my actual life have, have changed dramatically. Speaking of other dramatic changes, and to move away from the watch, because I feel like we've spent a lot of time on that, uh, what did you guys think of the, the new MacBook, which also officially was available on this past Friday on the 10th? Um, thoughts on that as far as the device, as far as what you've heard, what you've seen in reviews? Well, the reviews I've seen, a lot of them harp on the fact, you know, it's it's slower than the MacBook Pro. It's uh, just has the one port, the USB-C port. Uh, the key the keyboard's a little weird feeling, which I think people will get used to. I think it's just because somebody it's people haven't used it. Uh, but I mean, the fact they call it the MacBook and they don't didn't tack on another moniker to it, you know, like like the Air or the Pro. I think it really it's in my mind it's a replacement for the old a late replacement for the old MacBook that they used to sell at nine ninety nine. It was the starter MacBook, and I think this is really what they may have had in mind even though it does have new technology in it, this this will be the one that they'll catch a lot of people uh, that may not want to go with the Air. They, they might just want a basic MacBook. This will be their basic. The, the whole concept of the new MacBook, I have to admit, confuses me a little bit. I, I don't really know who it's for. Um, the, the MacBook Air seems like almost a more versatile device at a similar price point. Um, I, I don't know that size is that much of an advantage. The the most prevalent thought that that I've arrived to um, regarding the new MacBook and and who their target audience might actually be for this is iPad users that want just a little bit more. Um, someone that purchased an iPad as their main home device, their main work device. And just wants to get a little bit more function. They want to be able to take advantage of what the Mac OS has to offer, but they still like the idea of having something as small and portable and as high resolution as an iPad. But at, at that at the price point, I mean the price point's what really confuses me. Why do these why do these start as high as they do? Um, I have a difficult time understanding Apple's reasoning behind that. I'm thinking it's a foray into maybe changing the airline and that something about that, or, or maybe they even, I know I've heard in the past that they try not to overlap um, like the sub name of a product from one thing to another. So like now they have the iPad airline, maybe they want to drop the air off the MacBook. So maybe in the next year we see, you know, a 12 inch and a, I don't know, 13, 14, is 14 a screen size that people would even use uh, MacBook? And then you'd have the 13 and 15 in the Pro and that the the Air models end up kind of disappearing or becoming a thing of the past, even though they just had a huge marketing push on them six months ago. All right. So what do you guys think about... 
the Retina display is a pretty key feature. Um, it's something that the MacBook Air has never had. Um, I kind of like the idea of, of this being the unifying force of the MacBook. Um, maybe even the MacBook Pro could, could go this way in the future if they can get a processor that can achieve some of the same results, some of the same power, while being able to offer the form factor in the MacBook, which I think we all have to admit, it's a pretty beautiful device. The edge-to-edge keyboard, the metal finishes look, look pretty fantastic. Maybe this is their testing ground for that concept. One of the things that's puzzled a lot of people that I've been reading a lot about, and one of the things that's also puzzled me, is the USB-C port. And the fact that there's only one of them. It's, it's your charging port, it's your accessory port. You have to have a dock to be able to connect additional accessories. I wonder what the strategy is behind only including a single USB-C port. That's what makes me wonder if it's not more of a play on iPad users, people who are used to not really having any ports at all, aside from the lightning dock on the bottom. I can see that. I was actually really shocked when they announced it, and it, I, for some reason, I was convinced that it was going to actually be a detachable keyboard from display or have touch screen, and that it was actually going to be, like you said, the next step up, but it was also going to take a huge dig at Microsoft with their Surface line, that it's a computer that's also a tablet, and I thought for sure that it was going to be this 12-inch device, retina display, fantastic, super thin and light, one port, and touch, and then there was no touch involved. And that, to me, was... I think that was the, the thing that I was waiting for him to be like, oh, and also... It includes touch, and then it never mm-hmm. happened. Do you think they held back on that because of, I mean, it's still on a rumor stage, the iPad Pro, the what 12.9-inch? Was that going to be more of a Surface contender or Surface competitor? I think that would seem like a clumsy move now if they were to, yeah. to adjust you themselves. Think, and Do you think that'll actually ever see the light of day? As a a device like that, I don't know. I I could see it. I could see it in a year. They say you know the new Mac MacBook, the upgraded version of what they just announced. You know this spring or last fall was it this spring that they announced it? Yeah, just this yeah. spring. Um, they come back in a year and they say the new MacBook Touch or now with Touch, or again if they drop Air from the line, they can now replace it with a touch and then it becomes I think it's inevitable that we're going to see touch at some point Um, but uh, the thing thing that's important to remember about Apple is they're never the first to do something especially something as paradigm shifting as touch on a desktop um, Steve Jobs famously talked about the problem of ergonomics with touchscreens and that you'd end up with some kind of gorilla arm when, you, when you're holding your arm out like, like this all day long, there's going to be fatigue, and it's going to be fatigue that you're not used to, and it's going to make using those products a less pleasurable experience. If Apple's going to do touch, they're going to do it in a way that probably none of us are expecting them to do. They're going to have to 
fundamentally changed the design of the notebook. And more importantly, they've got to come up with a way to fundamentally change the design of the desktop, the iMac, to make it a lot more suitable for touch. Otherwise, they're just adding a gimmick to a product that already works well without it. What do you think? Do you guys think it'll be a success? I hope so. Um, I think people will enjoy the splash of color that it offers. I think people will like that it's trendy and that it's the wave of the future, supposedly. Um, I hope it will drive adoption of USB-C. Even if this idea of a single-port laptop doesn't catch on, maybe the idea of USB-C will. And, and who knows, maybe that's their play. Maybe this is their way to get the industry adopting this new standard. I don't know. It certainly seems compelling. If nothing else, it's a huge push for their dongle business. Absolutely. Exactly. All right, well, I guess we'll, uh, we'll move on to the last major topic that we have. I guess not really major, but the last big thing, which was the uh, the release of iOS 8.3 last week, which I think caught a lot of people off guard. Um, yeah, what did you guys think of that? Like, were you expecting? I know 8.2 came out. It brought along the Apple Watch app, which everyone pointed out was basically just an advertisement for the Apple Watch on your home screen. So if you didn't buy an Apple Watch, now you have another one of those apps to go hide in a folder. Um, but then to release 8.3 instead of 8.2.1 or 8.2.2 or whatever they wanted to call it. Um, what what did you guys think of that? I know there's some other stuff that came along with it, but was it as surprising to you guys as it was to me? It definitely took me by surprise. Um, I mean, I knew it was coming eventually. They've had a lot of betas and more and more betas leading up to the release at increasing frequency, but I, I was surprised that it came out as quickly as it did. It was a definite surprise. It took us by surprise. Uh, it was a big release day that day. We had uh, iOS 8.3 come out. We had uh, OS X 10.10.3. There was actually quite a bit updated in 8.3. And I'm trying, yeah. trying to find the new emojis, right? The new emojis came along. The whole Simpsons clan, which uh, doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and I also noticed the uh, keyboard for Safari is a little bit different. I don't know if you guys caught that. That they, oh yeah, the, the space bar, the, the space bar the a little bit. Thank God. Because mm-hmm. anytime you tried to search up in the. Uh, up in the address area, if you just type your search up there, you'd end up, instead of hitting a space in between each word, you'd end up hitting a dot. And I know uh, that frustrated the hell out of me. Yeah, I think I think that for anybody, anybody who uses that as their search, uh, that'll be hopefully a huge sigh of relief. Although I found myself even, even earlier today searching and still hitting the dot between words. So... It's One of the good. big things that I noticed in eight point uh, in eight point three is that iCloud Photo Library is no longer considered a beta. It's now considered um, a fully functional feature, which which is interesting. Um, 
probably directly coinciding with the with the public release of the new Photos app, with the new build of of Yosemite ten point ten point or just ten point three, right? Ten point. I think it's ten point ten point three is the official. Yeah, ten dot ten dot three. Um, iCloud Photo Library is going to become going to become big now that it's not considered in beta. Now that people are a little bit less scared to use it, I think it's going to become a little bit more integral. The other thing that I love, and it's going to seem really weird because it's a tiny, tiny, nitpicky feature, you can now report junk messages directly from within the Messages app. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of spam come through iMessage, but it is a lot more common than it used to be. And to be able to report those messages to Apple immediately is um, it's pretty awesome for me. Yeah, that's a nice nice addition to the to the app. One thing it wasn't a big deal, but one thing I actually liked about iOS or, or the actual the I've got the iPhone six plus, and the screen would rotate no matter which way you had it. It would it was like an iPad in that manner. It would actually if you could have the phone upside down, and it would still show at least the home screen the right way. Or at least so you could read it uh, according to how it was oriented. And now they've actually they fixed that to where it only rotates the three, the horizontal and the one vertical, which actually is a, a drawback for me. I liked it the other way, but apparently enough people complained about it. So you preferred using your phone upside down from time to time. Yeah, it didn't matter. I mean, it just no matter how you took it out of your pocket, if you look at it, it was there. Sometimes you just pull it out to look at a message or, or something like that. So, so I'm on but, the six. like I said, that's just me. What's that? I have the six, so I guess I didn't even know that was a an impending issue for people. I yeah, on this you know on the six plus, you can turn your home screen or you can turn it sideways, and your home screen goes sideways, and and they have that, and a few of the the apps will actually give you the the menu on the left side. Um, but yeah, I just uh, I, I actually liked it, but. Apparently, I was the only one. I, I did not notice that until just now. In fact, as you were talking, I, I had to hold my phone upside down to make sure that it didn't work. That's that is interesting. I, it makes me wonder why they would have done that. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even hear anybody complain about it. I'm surprised they wouldn't have it be something you could choose uh, horizontal only, or or portrait and landscape, or upside down. Like have you know three toggles that say I can rotate it this way, that way, or that way. Yes, no. Right. Although that seems to be very much an un-Apple-like thing to give you excess toggles to turn off small features. Right. I guess the other thing that I really like in 8.3, in addition to the new styles of emoji, I really love how they've changed the layout of the emoji keyboard. So you can scroll all the way through the emojis from beginning to end rather than having to navigate through each individual pane of emojis to find the one that you want. That seems like a good feature. Yeah, I do like the presentation of that better. I agree, and I also disagree, because I have a hard time finding what I'm looking for now, because they've, they've compressed them a little bit so they fit more on a page, so that where they're, they're positioned in the whole list isn't quite the same. But I do like that I can literally just continue to scroll until I find the one I'm looking for. Yeah, I 
most of my use wind up in the frequently used area anyway, so mm. everything's right there. I don't use a lot of them. So any other thoughts on 8, 8.3 for the updated uh, Yosemite beyond that? Anything else you guys noticed? I'm excited that the Photos app is finally here. I can see myself using it a lot. Um, I've been comparing it to iPhoto over the past few months. Um, I think Apple's done a fantastic job with the new Photos app. I think it's going to really open up what people can do with their photos on a Mac. The fact that it's free is is just icing on the cake. Yeah, that's definitely going to drive adoption. Mm-hmm. I, I love the, uh, the, I, uh, the iCloud Photos integration as well. Uh, like you were talking about before, that I've been using the beta version of of the Photos app for a while. So it's it's awesome to have my phone, and you know I take a bunch of pictures during the day. That night I get home, I plug my phone in. In the morning, all my new photos are on my Mac, so I can post to Facebook or whatever I need to do, or just have my pictures to have my pictures, and mm-hmm. and have that sync across. Which I don't. I don't think iPhoto ever could do that, could it? I don't believe so. No. You could you could do a photo stream, I think, in i an iPhoto and look at some photos in that, but it wasn't it wasn't your entire library. So what'd you guys download this week? Anything exciting? Any new apps you've tried or played with? Hmm. Putting you on the spot. I can't. Yeah, no kidding. I can't think of anything I actually that was excellent or really great that I've downloaded this week. Um, or app updates that you thought were fancy. I know for, for me, I've since Periscope came out, I've been on that. No, I have noticed that. And, no. <laughs> and uh, they updated theirs and, and redid some of the layouts on Periscope, which has made it uh, more, condu- more conducive for keeping your followers separate from the noise of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw that as a, a nice update, although it's not an app that I just downloaded this week because it's been out now for a couple weeks. Yeah. I'm enjoying Periscope. Nothing else, just to watch how people are using it. Um, just how they're having fun with it or even using it for uh, uh, news updates and such. One one guilty pleasure I've had is a lot of uh, newsrooms scattered around the United States there. The anchor will spend the last 15 minutes before they go on air talking and showing the newsroom off and everything. And then they'll prop their iPhone there so you can watch them, you know, do their first, their opening blurb. And then you can see them wait and then go back and, and they're back on camera. It's, it's kind of cool to see a behind the scenes kind of thing like that. It's like being part of the experience without being part of the experience. Yeah, I've I've always been a big fan of seeing behind the behind the scenes. So it's it's kind of fun uh, to watch. Glenn, have you uh, done much with Periscope besides watching? Um, you know, I I really haven't. Um, I kind of don't. I kind of don't get it. Um, it. It just doesn't appeal to me very much. Um, Mostly because I don't think that I do anything that would that would necessarily be of particular interest to onlookers. You'd be amazed. <laughs> would I? 
Yesterday morning, I jumped on there when I was I was wait I was at Taco Bell waiting on my breakfast order. Decided I'd try Taco Bell's breakfast, and I just jumped on, and I immediately had like eighty some people watching. Bizarre. And I just you know point pointed the camera back to where well, you could see the assembly line back there, and I just just saying stupid shit like oh there's our taco technicians assembling our breakfast and. And then people would remark, oh, your shirt matches the decor because I had an orange shirt on. And it was just back a lot of back and forth. And, you know, I was waiting five or ten minutes for my order. And before I know it, it was over and it was time to go home to, to, to eat. But it, it was just interesting that there would be that many people, oh, well, let's watch him get his Taco Bell order at breakfast. How weird. Yeah. So is this, is this the next social phenomena? I don't know. I think I, it's more of a fad, but yeah, I think I think there's a there's some people who will continue to use it, and I think that it'll be a thing that brands will jump on and celebrities will jump on because it it's almost like a way to brag to the next level. Now instead of just posting a picture or a vine of whatever cool thing they did, they can show it while they're doing it and they can make it even seem that much more real. But I think for average people, they're going to get to a point where it's like, okay, my, my day to day doesn't change that much. So unless I'm doing something really out of the ordinary today, I'm on a vacation and I decide that I'm going to spend my entire vacation sharing my vacation instead of enjoying it, that people might go for that. Makes a lot of sense. I've noticed quite a few people, this was opening week for Major League Baseball, and a lot of people have been sharing the game from the stands, which seems like something Major League Baseball is probably going to look at as far as violation of broadcast rights, things like that. I, I don't know if it just struck me as funny that they were able to do that. Of course, you'd have to have people in the stands watching to see if anybody's using their phone for that. But it was, it was uh, there was a Yankees-Red Sox game that went in like 19 innings. And a guy basically broadcast the last two innings. I'm Let's amazed people are able night. to get cell phone reception at a baseball game. Because yeah, anytime I've been to a sporting event, and, and I usually think I have pretty good coverage. Um, but anytime I'm there, I can't do anything. Like I can take pictures and I can look at my clock and play a game if it's local, but if it requires any type of network connectivity at a sporting event, I'm usually pretty much SOL. Yeah, that's been my experience too. Um, mm-hmm. So many people there, you know, I get 50,000 people hitting one cell tower. So Glenn, anything cool that you've discovered this week? Well, Chris and I were wasting you know, the- our lives watching each other order food. The, the big thing I've been enjoying is uh, the the addition of some new material to Netflix, um, Marvel's Daredevil. That that's been pretty oh, yeah. fantastic. I've been enjoying that thoroughly. I'm a big Netflix guy as it is, and that's just icing on the cake for me. Such a well done series. How far are you in? I'm on about episode eight now. It's um, about where I'm at too. Casting is spot on. The acting is spot on. Um, yeah, the whoever stories the casting are director was, whoever the casting director was, they deserved a bonus. Absolutely. They, they, it's just perfect. Another new thing, I guess, that came out this week that we didn't touch on 
I believe it was this week, was the HBO Now. And that's actually something ah. I've been using uh, this past week now that we're talking about TV because uh, my wife and I decided that we wanted to watch Game of Thrones. And with the new season starting up pretty soon, I thought, why not jump on it now, test it out, see if we like it. And if we do, then we'll follow along with the new season. And now we're we're already a couple seasons in and have been just hammering through Game of Thrones every night when we get home from work we we do our thing and watch some Game of Thrones I can give a big amen to that um, the movie selection in HBO Go is just fantastic um, I think probably a bigger selection of new movies than, than probably even Netflix has uh, the content seems a lot more recent and you've got you've got all of HBO's hit shows um, I, I never watched Silicon Valley until this week. That's a great but, show. Boy, that, that show is wild. That show's it's fu- been very it's funny enjoyable as hell. for me. I think it starts back up again tonight as far as a yeah, new season. Yeah, it does. I'm very excited for that, too. I'll add that to my list of things to watch. Anything else big before we, uh, before we sign off for the day, guys? Well, let, let's talk for a minute about HBO Go. Um, HBO Now. This, HBO Now, that's right. This is kind of new territory for Apple, um, and it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder what direction they're 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 thinking of going. I look at something like HBO Now, and I can't help but think if maybe this is their model for what's coming in the world of the Apple TV. It makes a pretty fantastic content model, just to create channels as an add-on experience rather than requiring specific tune-in times, rather than turning the Apple TV into a set-top box, which rumors have been engaged in for for many, many years. This almost seems like a better method for Apple to handle the cable-cutting crowd than directly supporting cable or satellite streaming. What do you guys think about that? I hope so. I really hope that's the way it's going, because... I, I would love to do the cord cutting thing. Amen. There's so many, there's so many programs now that I want to see. And I don't, I don't want to wait for them to come online a week or two weeks later or worse, not come online because the, the company doesn't want to offer them through Hulu. And so many things on the Apple TV right now require that subscription as soon as they can get rid of that and start to, to get away from that model and start opening it up to everybody and, and let you pick and choose what you want to watch. I think that's really going to, that's going to be the shift in the TV industry. That's been murmured about for a long time, but nothing's ever been done with. The big trick's got to be to get content providers on board. Um, which is always always the challenge. It's it's been Apple's challenge as a content company for years. It was one of the struggles that resulted in services like iTunes Match being introduced much much later than they otherwise would have. Um, but what's strange about what's strange about what they're doing with HBO is it it doesn't seem to align very well with the idea that. Apple's going to come out with some type of a streaming TV service. Because uh, to me, HBO now doesn't feel like streaming as much as it feels like 
just some kind of an on-demand platform. And then I guess then the, the big issue that comes out of that, if it becomes an on-demand platform, is how does that affect things like the news? So, you, know, you have NBC on there and somebody cuts, does you know says, I'm going to get rid of all my cable, satellite, whatever. I don't want an antenna anymore. I want to go just through through my fiber internet or whatever you have at home. All of a sudden now, they're not seeing any of your local ads and they're not seeing your local broadcast. They're not seeing local programming if there's local programming on certain channels. And how does that how does that affect the whole thing? So I think that's going to be the, that, I think that's probably where content, you know, like you were saying the content companies are saying, well, we don't want to offer you this because we're losing out on this segment. And I think that's also going to be what really dictates the price is they're after to make up for whatever that ad revenue would have been per user in the cost of those, those subscription packages. Right. You're, you know, HBO is in a, isn't a big commercial company. You know, you have a, an ad for HBO programming between shows but other than that, it's show starts and the show goes for its 30 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever it is. And then the next show starts. Right. With, with networks like ABC or NBC, I mean, they have hundreds of affiliates across the United States. How are they going to be compensated? How is this going to affect them? The other Look. big challenge that Apple's going to have is how is this going to affect sales of their existing content in iTunes? Because they already sell season subscriptions to television shows. If they start offering a streaming service, there's probably going to be a lot less people paying for those subscriptions. It's, it's almost like the streaming music versus the iTunes downloads mm-hmm. situation. Are you going to make enough off, that, off the streaming, off the, off the HBO now to make up for that loss of that iTunes download. Well, you have to consider with, with things like HBO now, you know, you're talking 15 bucks a month. Is that correct? 15 or 20? It is correct. Yeah. 15. 15. So you're talking 15 bucks a month over the course of a year. I'm not real great at math, but that's like $180. And I think that was right. Um, It's like 180 bucks. So, so what is what does a season of Game of Thrones cost on iTunes? If you were to do the season pass or whatever they call that, and then that that's to own it. You know, if a season costs sixty dollars, that's you could buy three seasons for a year's worth of HBO now. But you're going to buy more than those three seasons because you're only going to watch them once. I think ultimately Apple's going to make more money because people are going to continue to use HBO now instead of just buying a season and then moving on and not ever watching anything else again or buying anything else again. It's that we now have a constant inflow of, of your money instead of just a, a drop in the bucket here or there. Hmm. Right. And they're, they, they have to deal less with uh, rights and, and, Giving up the money and and all that as far as uh, the income from the downloads. I mean, like you said, it's sixty dollars for a season. How much does Apple actually get 
they have to maintain the servers, they have to maintain the uh, advertising or, or the iTunes store. So if they can offload some of that, uh, it could be actually a better, better income stream or a better profit situation for them. I guess the other thing to look at is, um, is the competition that's out there and what, what Apple's best strategy is going to be moving forward. What, one service that's recently come out is, um, is Sling TV. Are either of you guys familiar with Sling TV? I thought about trying it. Yeah. It's, it's a very different concept to what Apple's doing in, in the sense that you're actually live streaming channels the same way you would get them over satellite television. It's, uh, in fact, it's backed by either Dish Network or DirecTV. I think it's backed by Dish Network. Um, what, what concept would you see being more effective going forward? that type of direct live streaming or or on demand or maybe a combination of the two what what do you think people would would really go for i think a combination of the two i could see if i think yeah if apple could buy into this sling tv idea and get something like that for your affiliate uh your no your network channels your nbc your abc if they offered a a streaming version or even a streaming only version. And then your cable based channels, your HBOs, your Comedy Centrals, your MTV, whatever. Um, if those things were something where you paid a subscription monthly just to um, have stuff on demand, I could see some combination model working. So, yeah, in that case, the more flexibility, the may- better. Maybe this is Apple's play. And maybe this is why they announced. HBO now so much before they actually released the service. Maybe they wanted to see what would happen. Maybe they wanted to see services like Sling TV popping up. Maybe they wanted to see what the competition would do so they can incorporate the best elements of all of those things. Or at the very least, find a way to incorporate those services into their own television platform. I mean... I could definitely see something like Sling TV becoming an app on the Apple TV. Have we exhausted all the subjects for the week? I, I think we have. I think we've, we've covered all the really big things. Um, I appreciate everybody for, for tuning in and joining us and for being part of this, this new experience with the, our magnificent podcast. And, uh, I appreciate Chris and Glenn both for joining me. Uh, Chris, thanks for obviously, having us. Uh, we'll we'll keep the stories pumping out of Mac Trast, and if you guys want to find him, you can find him at Mac Trast on Twitter or at CL Hawk on on the Twitter machine. And Glenn, I I know you're out there on the Twitter sphere as the Glenja. Absolutely, and always out there sharing his his words of wisdom and his opinions on what's going on in the world and probably more opinions than actual wisdom full disclosure glenn opinionated wow that's a shock so yeah i uh i guess if and if you want to find me i'm out there at ian fuchs so uh, like i said i thanks guys for joining me thanks a lot and it's been fun And we'll see you again in another week or so. All right. Have a great week. Later, folks.